0: Welcome to The Experience, sharing insights into the future of customer
1: and employee experiences with Avaya.
0: Welcome back to another episode of The Experience brought to you by Avaya, where we're bringing you thought-provoking conversations with industry leaders, technologists, creators, influencers, and others who are bringing to life the future of experiences. I'm Steve Forkham, and on the show today, we have practice leader in digital workplace at Omdia, Tim Banting. Tim is with us to talk all about composable enterprises and how they're able to innovate and adapt rapidly and dynamically. Tim, thanks for joining the podcast today.
1: A pleasure, Steve. Nice to be here.
0: Thanks. So, you know, you and I are followers on Twitter. I love interacting with you there. You've got a fascinating story overall, and I just want to kind of go back to the beginning. You began your career in communications, and your service was in the British Army's Royal Corps of Signals and R&D branch. How did your time working on the production and design of peripheral telecommunications equipment in the Army influence the way that you approach your work today?
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, What a great question to start with. It really puts me in the, uh, literally in the firing line. I actually spent most of my time in military intelligence. So working with those guys, it set me up with the right mindset to move into competitive intelligence, really. But um, coming from a wide, diverse range of engineering backgrounds, product management, sales, sales support, it really sort of helps me shape my approach in terms of looking at the unified communications and collaboration market. So it really was a great grounding for, uh, for where I am now.
0: Awesome. You know, so speaking of where you are now, so as a practice leader in digital workplaces at Omdia, you know how important it is for a business to be able to innovate and adapt rapidly and dynamically. And as the composable enterprise is a strategic approach that seems to uh, accomplish that, you know, can we talk a little bit about what is a composable enterprise and what are the priorities that businesses should be focused on in delivering it?
1: Sure. So we see the composable enterprise as a strategic approach, as you, as you say, to improving communications and collaboration. It's also about enhancing customer engagement and developing a more modern and digitally enabled workplace through these sorts of building blocks of functionality and custom applications, components, uh, um, as you might want to say. And this is typically built through a low-code, no-code development environment. And sometimes uh, you use some sort of visual flowchart-type scripting environment of a way of composing and orchestrating these applications. So it's really about customization and making sure that your workflow fits to the way in which you customize your application rather than making your applications fit to the to the work style. So it, it really does mean that you don't have to alter the way that you do things based on the software that you actually buy.
0: Yeah. I mean, in the past, we started with technology. Then we went to the processes and we made the processes compromise around the technology chosen. And then we went to the people, you know, we trained them on the process, the compromise process and how to use the technology to enable it. And from what I'm seeing with Composable Enterprises, it flips that on its end. You know, you start with your people, you look at the processes that they go through to serve their customers or to, you know, kind of increase productivity. And then you choose the technology and it's got to wrap around those things in their entirety.
1: That's exactly right.
0: Yeah. And you made an interesting point around what I would call the democratization of this, because the the analogies out there that, you know, hey, composable is like Lego blocks. You just kind of build your enterprise based off of what it is. And the next business over, they're going to have their own, you know, build. But the problem has always kind of been the, the analogy is faulty. Lego bricks require no skill set. You know, I I can give my nephew a, a bucket of Legos and he can build something. He may need to explain to me what he's built, but he can go out and build something. But I'm not fluent in programming languages. So the idea of building applications for a case by case basis can be really intimidating. So, you know, the idea of low code, no code and, you know, automation, those to me are, are just so, so important. What are you seeing, you know, customers looking at? How do you see them kind of scaling in this environment?
1: Well, I have to agree with you. When you're talking about Lego blocks, I was thinking about treading on them and how painful it was or is. You know, I've got a daughter that loves playing with Lego and I've trodden on those. And to be quite frank, it's a nice analogy looking back at the old unified communications world where we had all these SDKs and APIs and other acronyms that meant that you had to pay a systems integrator or or get a developer resource to be able to customize. And very, quite frankly, uh, very limited customization and integration between all the different types of solutions that are out there this sort of ability for you to leverage things like communications platform as a service cpas and to be able to provide a data integration layer between systems of record and systems of engagement and to be able to auto flow uh, auto flow maybe i've invented a new word there automate workflow those are all sort of key capabilities of this composable enterprise so making life easier things like approval processes that are manual processes to be able to automate that or be able to send out shipping notifications automatically and two-factor authentication to get into different applications when you're working remotely, or all of these sorts of composite capabilities allow you to think very radically around the way in which you service customers and also how you extend across that digital supply chain between partners and suppliers and customers. So it's not only customers and employees that benefit from this, it's also partners and suppliers. And given global supply chain uh, constraints and, and issues around that, of course, that's quite pertinent at the moment. So we're seeing all sorts of companies use it in all sorts of different ways, but it's really about simplifying work and automating where possible. So you're reducing that human latency, the time it takes to make a decision or mitigating some of those manual processes that introduce a lot of delays.
0: Yeah, and we see this driving cloud three, that in the cloud two era of SaaS platforms like UCaaS and CCAS, the cloud was a destination that you moved to in order to get A specific benefit. so you evaluated the different options and you chose which one could give you the most of the benefits but that led to the technology process people problem and you know with cloud 3 and composable enterprise the cloud isn't a destination it's a toolkit that you can use to transform your business and your insight on on how that impacts partners i think is valuable too because it can actually accelerate business development activities because now you're not trying to get somebody convinced to rip out what they have, to, you know, go to this solution to buy. It's it's a fancy version of sell me this pen, right? Like, you know, here's the benefits. I'm I'm not selling you the benefit. I'm selling you this product. And in a cloud three composable world, the benefit is the product. You're consuming fit for purpose applications and services that fit. And that really drives, in my opinion, digital transformation. Composable enterprise is arguably the digitally transformed focus That most businesses are trying to get to coming out of the pandemic. You know, you touched on this a little bit, but how does it combine customer and workplace transformation and really focusing in on the customer experience, the enterprise user experience, and then the multi experience in between both of those?
1: There's a lot of X's there. There's the CX, the UX, and the EX there. And I think those acronyms. There are. So yeah, you're right. It's all about transformation, whether or not that's digital transformation, which is a shorthand for improving the customer experience. I sort of tend to focus more on the workplace transformation because that incorporates the customer experience, the employee experience, and the user experience. So from a user experience perspective, it's got to be easy to use. Otherwise, the ROI on which you made the buying decision will never get realized. People won't use it. And we've seen that in a lot of our research that Training is a key issue, and a lot of the existing services out there are far too difficult to use. And there's a lot of work styles out there that just aren't suited to some of these platforms that, as you say, are born in the cloud, but they're really, they make the assumption that you're going to use a laptop, and frontline workers don't typically have access to a laptop. They may have access, if they're lucky, to a smartphone. So you've got to bear in mind all of these different work styles, and as you rightly point out, Unified Communications a Service UCAS It doesn't take into account all of those different work styles and all of the different moving parts and the workflow and everything else. So this is why we're moving towards this sort of composable enterprise model or cloud three, as you call it, which I I really like the term. So, yeah, it's elements of all of those. And as we're seeing the front office and back office integrate more and inter-company collaboration as well as intra-company collaboration, it's becoming more important to have a platform that is programmable and extensible and allows you to act with that sort of level of agility. Pre-pandemic, there was this big move to the cloud and people could see the economic benefits of that. But now it's gone beyond that. We realize that we have to have a solution and technology is a strategic investment. We have to have a solution that allows us to be more agile and can cater for these macroeconomic shifts. Rarely, Do we encounter such macroeconomic shifts as we have done since this pandemic? But we recognize that we need to have that flexibility to be able to respond to it.
0: Very insightful, Tim. You nailed on a couple of key interesting points to my mind. And one of those is businesses over-rotated on the customer. Pre-pandemic, it was customer efforts score. It was net promoter score. And you were creating this perception that the customer is king and and we got to get everything out of their way and we got to over deliver in every expectation which just isn't a realistic model you you can't over deliver in every single situation because we run into issues like we have with the pandemic where there's just not enough labor out there right so now you have entitled customers or customers with a sense of entitlement who are waiting forever in queue and finally reach an agent and that poor agent is at the bottom of a hill right? And, you know, the stuff rolls to them and they've got to deal with frustrated caller after frustrated caller. And in our efforts towards customer sat, we focused on making their tools simple and easy to use, their tools streamlined. But we didn't focus on the employee side. You know, all of the employees, it's just like, yeah, you get whatever, you can jump whatever, you know, what the focus is on innovating there. And I think that's another interesting spot for the composable enterprise is how do you invest in the End user side, because if you don't, you're going to run into retention problems. You're going to have agents that are walking out the door because it's not—it's thankless work.
1: We've seen that, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we've seen that with the great resignation. I think we're moving from this great period of the great resignation to the great experimentation as people try and work out what they want from hybrid work. And I think what we're finding is that as people that work remotely have more autonomy and agency, they need better tools in in order to be able to do the work that they're expected to do. And we're also seeing businesses measure. Differently, so it's no longer the 40 hour week nine to five. it's more focused around output, which is great because mm-hmm. it allows you to be more flexible, you know what metrics to track. It's not just about presenteeism or, or sat at a desk in an office. and at the moment we're seeing this great big debate over whether or not you're going to be wholesale in the office or wholesale working from home. I think what we need to recognize is that there's different work styles, different ways of working, and certainly a need for different sorts of tools.
0: As far as we've come through the pandemic and the idea that work is no longer somewhere we go but something we do, I find the discussion around return to office, will it be hybrid, will it be five days a week, you're still going back to this this model where I'm not measuring outputs, I'm measuring resource. So the outputs are king, and the smartest businesses are the ones that are focusing on the outputs and growing revenues and cutting costs because they're empowering a workforce to work how they want to, which is in this economy it's just the reality right
1: definitely and happy employees lead to happy customers which lead to improved revenue so uh, yeah they're all very tightly linked
0: yeah another point you made the reality of today's economy means that customers and employees are interacting with each other across a bigger surface area you know in the past when i wanted to invest in my customer experience i went and bought a contact center because that was the only place where my customers were interacting with my brand at least that's what the thought was you know, we know today that's just not the case. It happens everywhere. And frontline workers a lot of times are a channel. And the idea, well, everybody's a contact center agent. Well, no, a frontline worker doesn't need to auto in and to ox out of, you know, a call center. They yeah. need to be able to service that person in front of them. How do you ox out from the person from, I guess you go into the back office, but, um, <laughs> you know, so how does the composable enterprise lend itself to that new reality that, you know, the surface area that you've got to account for has dramatically exploded. And the types of interactions that are happening in there are much more than just the transactional. I need my balance. I need to make a payment. What do you see in there?
1: Yeah, that's a huge area of it to explore. That surface area, as you say, is immense. And therefore, you need to have a platform approach. It's not just down to a software as a service capability that you buy in for a year or a month or what have you. It really requires a strategic approach. And that's so it leads back to the uh, composable enterprise as a platform. So you need these various different layers. You need to have a data integration layer that looks at system of record and systems of engagement. So you need to get all of that data and make it available across the enterprise, the front office and the back office. Frequently, people in the back office will want access to support queries or sales queries or make that information available. It shouldn't just be the You shouldn't have to wait for a Salesforce report to be downloaded by an administrator so that you can find out what your next steps are. All of that data needs to be surfaced and being made available across a data integration layer. Then you need to sort of look at workflow automation. Is there a way in which I can capture that data and it can spark off a new activity? So maybe I've got a new sales lead and I need to inform a regional sales manager that there's a new customer and I need to onboard them in a particular way and and engage with them in a particular way. Then you need to sort of look at whether or not, there's any element of communication and collaboration that needs to be incorporated into that with a CPAS layer. So you might want to send out a welcome email or an SMS message or some sort of capability that acknowledges that customer has been onboarded. So it's all of these different layers, but it's making it as extensible and as available to as many people as need them. And typically it's really just been the front office that has access to all of that. And then that sparks off a whole load of workflow as emails get sent or as people start messaging you know, people in the back office as to what the next steps are. All of that can be automated. All of that can be sort of serviced through a composable enterprise platform.
0: Awesome. So we've talked a lot about this could be done, this should be done. Can you share a little bit of the data that your firm has done research on around this market and the composable enterprise? Is this real or is this just what people are talking about, but not really executing on you?
1: It's something where we're very specific with the language that we use. So CPaaS is a great acronym, Communications Platform as a Service, but typically it has sort of referenced the a to p service providers that will sell sell you, you know, very cheap minutes, uh, voice over IP minutes, or very cheap SMSs. So you can send out these blast notifications. Mm-hmm. But it's been more of a, an aggregator of these sorts of services. So we're very specific and sort of purposely using CPaaS to refer to these a to p providers. Composable Enterprise is completely different. It's not only looking at customer engagement, it's also looking at unified communications and collaboration and across that whole area, the, the whole digital supply chain that we described earlier. So it still seems to be a very emerging market. We're trying our best to get our definition out there and making sure that uh, vendors and customers know that it's more than just being able to send cheap SMS messages or cheap voice minutes to customers. So it still seems to be a nascent market that still is at infancy, but a number of vendors are very forward-looking and really innovating in this particular area.
0: Yeah, at Avaya, we call it core plus four. It's not just CPaaS, we've got that element, but to your point, CPaaS has its place in a composable strategy, but it's not the end-all be-all. You need to have the four services, UCAS because there's still a place for that, for collaboration and productivity, You have to have customer engagement, again, accounting for that realized surface. You've got to have the work stream and automation engine. And, you know, you've got to be able to unify those things in a converged manner. Because, you know, another thing that we say a lot is that you can't build experiences from integrated platforms. You have to be able to compose them on a case-by-case basis. And the integrated, you know, lightly integrated approach that has happened in our industry with cloud two just isn't sustainable in this new market. So it's good to hear you guys are kind of seeing beyond just, you know, hey, this is just another as a service and this is something different and something bigger.
1: You're right. And I think with cloud too as well, with traditional UCAS services, as as you look at the evolution of communications, we moved from digital PBXs in the turn of the century to IP. So the business benefit there was cheaper voice minutes and integrating everything on a single network. Then we moved to UCAS, which was put it all in the cloud, lower switching mm-hmm. costs. We don't have to worry about PBXs in our data center. And this fast iteration of features that just keep on accelerating, now it's a platform specifically for me because my experience is very different from people in a different vertical or people in a different geography or or my needs are my business needs. I don't want to have to change my practices based on what I'm given. So yeah, we see this sort of composable enterprise really taking off now as people realize that they need that adaptability and flexibility and agility in this strategic investment.
0: Yeah, we have an actual customer that's done this. And, you know, it it takes it even a layer down because it's not just my business needs to be unique compared to the business next door. But we were working with Clemson University and Professor Feltis during the pandemic. He needed to be able to replicate his in-person learning virtually. And the video meeting solution that was chosen just didn't do it because it was just show up and share my desktop and then it just fades off. And, you know, what happens And what we built was we composed a solution with one of our experience builders that solved his needs. It created an asynchronous environment. So learning becomes something you do, not something you go. There was a synchronous time, which actually drove higher engagement because the synchronous time in the past was used to do everything. Now, a lot of the task based work and a lot of the exploration on the students happens asynchronous. The synchronous time that's spent is more focused on looking at results of their labs and troubleshooting. And then they used AI to keep a better thumb on who's performing, who's potentially failing. And they may not put their hand up, you know, and you can't get that from UCAS. You can't get that from CCAS. It really needed something different. But to your point around composability, his class needed one certain structure. The class next door needed a whole different structure, right? The trigonometry professor needs something totally different than Dr. Feltes did. So We're seeing this happen. We're already seeing customers embrace this. So it's good to see the, you know, kind of the research is bearing this out.
1: And some of the biggest barriers to adoption of UCAS services is around not meeting my needs as a user or too complex to use or too complex to understand or not really understanding what I need from my unique perspective and my new unique work style. And of course, Composable Enterprise does provide you with that.
0: Yeah, now, so as someone who's responsible for leading a team of talented analysts and report on the modern digital workplace and the type of capabilities that an organization needs to meet those business objectives, I think we've kind of touched on this, but just to kind of leave a, a clean definition, what does a composable enterprise look like to you?
1: Right. Okay. Yep. So I'll be as succinct as I possibly can. A composable enterprise is a strategic approach to improving communication and collaboration enhancing customer engagement, and delivering a more modern digitally enabled workplace through building blocks of functionality and customer applications.
0: Awesome, Tim, I wanna thank you for uh, joining us today. This was an insightful discussion. I always love interacting with you, whether it's in the digital world or the physical world, it's always a great time. So thanks for uh, joining us today.
1: My pleasure, Steve, great conversation. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Thank you. I want to say thank you again to Tim for coming on the show and talking about composable enterprises and how they're able to innovate and adapt rapidly and dynamically. If you're enjoying this, please be sure to rate the show and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm your host, Steve Forkam, and this has been The Experience, where we share insights into the future of customer and employee experiences.